Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mainline Minute presented by Homefield Apparel. As always, I'm your host, Tommy Godin, and today I am joined by Matt St. Jean, notorious Providence Friars reporter, fan. You know him, you love him. Matt, thank you for coming on the show. Happy to be jumping back into uh, just, a, just a little bit of Big East stuff here. Uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, we've missed you this year with the Big East, but Matt's doing great stuff. I'm sure there's some overlap between Friars fans and Patriots fans that will be tuned into this one. Matt does great stuff with the Patriots. Um, and he's Not doing with the organization, but covering them, yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> one day, we'll see. Yeah, uh, so definitely tune into that. But today we are here to talk about Villanova. We'll get you started with a recap of the Marquette game that took place earlier this week. Uh, of course, Villanova fell in that one, extending their five-game losing streak. Uh, before we talk about the Providence Friars, but taking a look back in this one, it, it started very familiar, unfortunately, for some Villanova fans. Um, a kill shot right out of the gate, like what happened versus St. John's, like what happened versus UConn a couple of weeks ago. Um Marquette jumped out of the gate strong. This, again, was without Cam Jones, a dynamic scorer, uh, and Sean Jones off the bench. Um, Marquette took a 11-0 uh, lead, first four minutes of action, four or five in the field goals. They were getting whatever they wanted in the paint. Um, another tough stretch for Villanova. Matt, did you watch this one? I did, um, and I was, you know, I – when I was about to tune into the game, I pulled up my app just to see what the score was while my TV was turning on. And I was shocked to see what the score had gotten up to <laughs> and the fact that it had been such a slow start for Villanova. But um, I was also really impressed with the comeback effort. Um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, too little, too late. Obviously, you know, Villanova does take the lead and then Marquette goes ahead. Uh, and Marquette definitely was the better team. But I think it's easy after you get down that far that fast to it's easy to just throw in the towel i was impressed by the fact that you know villanova stayed with it and was able to stage a comeback you know it's a sign i think of poor coaching to get off to bad starts but it's a sign of good coaching that you do eventually find whatever's working for you in this game and honestly what i thought the turning point was was mark armstrong kind of taking the ball and saying hey i'm going to do some stuff with it and he got a couple a couple baskets left the team couple transition opportunities in a row I think near the end of the first half as they started to build momentum um, and I think seeing him take a, a step forward there is something that's been a need for Villanova yeah I completely agree 16 points eight rebounds from Mark Armstrong perfect from the free throw line in 33 minutes um, and yeah I absolutely agree that's a great point that you had that uh, it is poor coaching when you get off to a slow start like that but you do have to give uh, Kyle Neptune, some credit for that comeback. Uh, Shaka Smart was saying after the game, Villanova was the better team for three quarters of this game. In the first quarter of the game, if you break it down into 10-minute quarters, Marquette won that quarter 23-9. The other three quarters, Villanova won 71-62. to And it would be great if you could pick and choose what parts of the game you can take out and, and not have, unfortunately. Uh, you, you do have to play the full 40 minutes. Shout out to the full 40 podcast. Uh, we're going to miss you, Chris, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was an unintentional segue there. Um, but yeah, you do have to play the full 40 minutes of that basketball game. And uh, Mark Armstrong going into halftime, uh, hit that big three to bring them closer. And then Villanova came out on a 9-0 run 
out of half. Um, Justin Moore, Tyler Burton, and TJ Bamba all connecting on triples. Um, Eric Dixon had another impressive evening. Oso Ligadaro, I think he's playing at an all first team all big east level right now I, as a forward. I, I do not want to be the guy who, and thankfully I'm not the guy who decides which forwards and centers end up on the all big east team list because there's just so many good ones in this conference. And there's gonna be a guy who, you know, you could argue plays like a first team guy at points who gets relegated to honorable mention this year. But Oso has been phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you have Joel Soriano, you know, Ryan Kalkbrenner, of course, Eric Dixon, um, uh, um, Josh Oduro, who Josh I'm sure we're going to get, we're going to be talking about in the back half of this. <laughs> we sure will. We sure will. But yeah, um, it was, it was a gutty performance from Villanova to, to make that comeback. There were some things that you can take from this one to apply it to their next game. I thought their defense looked a lot better, especially in the second half, getting some stops, uh, kind of anchoring down in the paint. Um, but when you have a player like Tyler Kolick on Marquette, uh, 32 points, it's the fans were giving them the work all night. They were they were chirping them that you can't read chance. I mean, you heard it, but I mean, he takes all of that, he internalizes it, and it only makes him better. It's he's a special, special player. Uh, in terms of that, uh, he's one of the best guards, not in the conference, but in the country. So it was an impressive game from Tyler Kolick. Gutty performance from Villanova, who um, needed a win. There's no time for moral victories. But you, Matt, kind of have an outside perspective of Villanova. I asked Michael this when he came on. I asked Chris this when he came on. What do you make of this Villanova team for the people that um, may be a little too close to the program? And obviously, I think it's a little bit of an underwhelming season so far, but I think it's also, you know, worth highlighting the fact that there were a lot of, I think there were more question marks on this team than people really wanted to acknowledge coming in. First of all, you got a lot of transfers, and that's always going to take time to come together. A lot of transfers who play the game at a somewhat, uh, somewhat similar style, which can be kind of hard to figure out how everybody works together on things uh, with uh, you know, Hakeem Hart and TJ Bamba and Trey, uh, not Trey Burton. Uh, Tyler. That's the Tyler Burton. Um, <laughs> Trey Patterson. <and>, yeah. <laughs> uh, all three of those guys have, you know, enough overlap that it can be hard to figure out the way that they play together. And you, I think the, you look at the guard situation, you're relying on Justin Moore to be pre-injury Justin Moore, and you're relying on Mark Armstrong to make a huge leap. And sometimes that it just doesn't work out the way you want it. I don't think it quite has in the guard group the season but uh, the other part is that i think a lot of the a lot of the, the poor performances here a lot of the losses have been incredibly co- close kind of coin flip type things you look at the five game losing streak and this game against marquette easily could have been a win game against butler was in two overtimes that could have been a win um the the game against yukon you know it's a one point game that could have been a win you go back earlier in the season kansas state in overtime drexel is a two point game penn is a four point game there's a lot of these close games that just end up turning out to be losses which you don't want when you have all that veteran leadership that's not supposed to happen but it sometimes takes time for this to come together and i wouldn't jump to conclusions yet for villanova there's still a lot of talent on this team there's still 10 games left they still have good wins they already have under their belt and i think you know it's just about avoiding 
the the pitfalls. No losses to Georgetown, no losses to, to DePaul. Sure to notch one or two more wins in there. And I think this will end up probably being a tournament team. You just got to get a little more luck um, on your side. And as a Providence fan here, I think I can offer a perspective from one of the, the later Cooley years in 2019, 2020. That was a team that was dreadful, seven and six at the end of non-conference play with some truly terrible losses because they had transfers coming in that were relying on to play big roles. LeJuan Pipkins was the big one. He wasn't playing well, and it took him until January, February to find his footing. And once he did, the switch flipped, and the team won eight out of ten games, beat five consecutive ranked opponents, had a six-game winning streak going into the Big East tournament that year, and went from a team that was nowhere near the bubble to a lock to be in had that year's tournament been played. So a lot of basketball left for things to get going in the right direction here. And I think that's why this Sunday's matchup is so interesting. I think you got two, two programs that are in somewhat similar spots this season. No. Yeah, absolutely. And I a hundred percent agree. Um, This absolutely can still be a tournament team. I mean, after starting out big East play three and Oh, four and one, they fall into four and six in a five-game losing streak. So I think this all coming down uh, right now so heavily on this team and this fan base is maybe taking a toll, making it seem like it's worse than it is. But the sledding doesn't get any easier. Providence, Xavier, and Seton Hall are three games, three winnable games, um, mm-hmm. but three games that they almost have to win at this point in the year. Then they get Georgetown and Butler at home before going to play UConn uh, in stores or wherever that game may be both of their arenas, but nonetheless, the sledding does not get any easier. Um, should be interesting to follow along, but their next game on the schedule is against the Providence Friars. And before we talk about them, Matt, we have to tell these good folks all about home field apparel. Now I've been telling them about home field apparel all year. I know you're a Michigan football fan um, and home field just came out with that Michigan football collection. I know you cop some gear use code, uh, did not use code Nova Insider. I forgot to yell at you about that. Uh, 15% <laughs> off, but at least you use Biggie's Bar Room. Uh, I guess that's a, a good code too. But yeah, yeah, I'm just I got I got my gear. I got my Michigan home field gear. I got my Providence home field gear. It is all fantastic, and uh, I kind of just been rotating between my Providence sweatshirt and my Michigan sweatshirt depending on the day. <laughs> yeah, I always get a size up, and and they are the most comfortable sweatshirt that I own. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're fantastic. Yep. Use code Nova insider for 15% at checkout. And with that out of the way, it clears the way to welcome in the Providence Friars to the Wells Fargo center, a game where that should be a home court advantage, even more so than at the Fenneran pavilion of late. These games at the far get rocking. I know Matt, you were there last year. You got a little taste of that experience. Uh, Great to see what that was I like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was a special day because the NFC Championship game was across the street, so it was mm-hmm. it was a little bit more hectic out there. But um, coming into this one, Providence, um, we were talking about first team All Big East uh, forwards and centers. One name that will not be um, hard to leave off. It will or will not. Be it would easy. be hard to leave off. It would be hard to leave off. There we go. There we go. It's Friday, everybody. It's a, it's a four o'clock a long a, week. Yeah, we it's been a long week. We are checked out mentally, but one name that would be hard to leave off is Devin Carter. If the only reason that you could leave him off first team all Big East this year is if you gave him the Big East Player of the Year. He's been that good. Matt, talk to me about Devin Carter and the rest of the Friars. 
I mean, Devin Carter is the emotional leader of this team and the actual physical leader of this team when they're on the court. Uh, they're going to get the ball into his hands as much as possible. Uh, his three-point shooting is greatly improved this year. You know, he was kind of uh, an iffy three-point shooter last year. This year, he's shooting at about 36% from deep, and he has NBA range. I mean, he will pull up from anywhere in the gym. Don't be shocked to see him take a shot from the, the midcourt logo because he will do it. Uh, he's a cocky player. He's an arrogant player. He's going to talk a lot of trash. And he is definitely going to try to dunk on you as many times as he possibly can. He's going to play aggressive defense. And uh, with Bryce Hopkins, you know, done for the year with a torn ACL, this is Devin Carter is what this Providence team is. There are other good players, but Devin Carter is the guy. Uh, outside of him, Joshua Duro and Ticket Gaines, a pair of transfers from George Mason who followed Kim English. Uh, Joshua Duro is the center. He's kind of a old man at the YMCA type game. That's the way he plays. He's I think he's got a kid on. He's married. He's got a kid on the way. Like he's wow. almost playing with dad's strength out there. And um, he's a little bit undersized for a center, but he's physical. He's incredibly technically sound. He's really good on defense. He was hitting mid-range shots over Donovan Klingon Wednesday night. He hit like three in a row. So he can and he can take threes. Uh, he's a very good uh, all-around player. And Ticket Gaines is kind of a a streaky three-point shooter, three-and-D type wing who has stepped up here to help replace Bryce Hopkins, um, who's also a veteran. So all three guys I've mentioned have been around for a while. Oduro and Gaines, I believe, are in their fourth and fifth years, respectively. Carter in his third. and They provide the leadership on this team, and um, this team's going to go as far as those three can take them. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, they'll go as far as those three will take them, but they are led this Providence team uh, by Kim English, who is animated. He's excited. He's just the guy that Providence needed to bring in uh, following the departure of Ed Cooley. Um, their Providence might not be the tallest, the biggest, the most physical team in the country, but they might play the hardest. And Kim English might have the hardest playing team in the country. He breeds that that mindset, pun intended, mm-hmm. um, which is their slogan up there in Providence. These guys play hard. They play physical. They're diving for loose balls. They're in your grill on defense. Like you said, Devin Carter will be in your face. He will be talking trash. Um, it's just such a fun team to watch, a fun team to root for. You saw the scene out there uh, in the amp when they play, when Ed Cooley came home. It was It was national news. I mean, these... These fans travel well. They're going to be at this one. It's going to be a really fun environment. As for the game itself, um, I see one big advantage for Villanova, one and a half maybe. Providence is a team that could be prone to turning the ball over uh, a little bit, 235th in Ken Palm. The problem is Villanova is not prone to taking the ball away. They're 254th in Ken Palm in defensive turnover percentage. So... Um, that could be an, uh, that that's the one I kind of slashed out maybe as the half. The one would be on the boards. Uh, Providence's offensive rebounding is 222nd, 262nd in the country. Villanova does a pretty good job on the defensive boards. As for uh, Providence, their defense is electric. They play tight, they play together, they're technically sound, they're flying all over the place on defense. Villanova's defense hasn't been great. To be honest with you, it's been top 20 for some parts of the year, top 30 for most of the year. And during this five-game losing streak, it's plummeted out to 56, and that number's a little bit inflated. 
because they are the number one free throw shooting team in the country. They do do a pretty good job with the ball. Um, so it makes that number look a little bit better. But Providence's defense is the real deal. They're a top 10 unit in the country, one of the best units, and probably the best defensive unit in the Big East. Um, and they're really fun to watch on the defensive end. So that's where I think uh, a lot of – that's what I'm going to be watching in this one. Matt, what are you looking for? Well, I want I like those two things that you mentioned at the top, um, the issues for Providence, because I think you hit the nail on the head there with where the issues are for the Friars. Um, and I go back to watching the Villanova-Marquette game. Uh, what I noticed is that when Villanova's defense was able to get stops and get steals and they were able to work in transition, that's where Mark Armstrong looked the most comfortable out there. And it's where the offense was able to make make things work because this team has a ton of slashers at like the wing position. So when you get going in transition, you can it opens up some more lanes to make that work. And this is a Providence team that will give the ball away. The two point guards on this team, it's a sophomore Jaden Pierre, who is good but incredibly streaky, and he'll he will turn the ball over. And then Garway Duall behind him, who's a freshman and incredibly talented, but uh, while he's kind of elite defensively, he's very much a work in progress at the offensive end, and um, they're going to give the ball away, that's for sure. And if Villanova can capitalize on that, there's going to be some free baskets out there that are going to make this game a little bit tighter, I think, or give Villanova a little bit of an advantage in the rebounding. This is a Providence team that has lost a lot of uh, a lot of muscle in the paint. Uh, we all know that they lost Bryce Hopkins for the season. They also had Will McNair as their backup center uh, all summer long. He practiced with the team and then left to go to Kansas State, who is a, a beefy physical guy. And because of that, you know, Joshua Duro is the only man with any kind of weight on him, with any kind of size, who is going to rebound for you. It's been, you know, Rafael Castro, who's their backup center, is tall but thin as a rail. Ticket Gaines, who's their starting power forward, is also a very skinny guy. And he's a good rebounder, but they don't have that muscle to push around. Um, Corey Floyd was actually big in the last game. He's been one of their combo guards, but he can jump out of the gym, and he was really helpful there at rebounding. So that's been an area of weakness now with Hopkins out. And that's an area I think that's a strength for Villanova, at least with the the size of the bodies out there. I think they should have an advantage over Providence. And this is the big question for, for Providence for the rest of the season. You know, you got guards who turn the ball over, and you really are going to struggle rebounding at both ends. So you're always going to have the other team's always going to control the ball a little bit better than you do, which means you have to be much more efficient in the in the actual possessions outside of those. Um, and that's where, you know, they've been very hit or miss. So I think um, whether or not this fire defense can slow down Villanova's offense enough to make up for what that difference is going to be probably decides who wins this one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you made a lot of really good points in that one. Garway Duwall is one that um I'll be watching on the offensive end a little bit. Um, like you mentioned, his he's not a naturally gifted scorer, but what he can do with the ball facilitating for others um is gonna be big in this one. Villanova tends to break down when especially when the shot clock gets a little bit later in half court sets. So um I think Duwall and his ability to facilitate. Um, will help with that. Devin Carter, as for the game prediction, um, Devin Carter reminds me, not play style-wise, just the person, the <laughs> player they are to their team as Tyler Kolick. I think they have polar opposite yeah. play styles, but yeah. what they mean to their team, Tyler Kolick and Devin Carter, I think are very similar. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think he could have a game like Tyler Kolick just had in the Finn. Um, Ken Palm has this as a three-point win for Villanova. If I was a betting man, I'd probably take the three for Providence. Um, but I do think it is going to be a tight one. I do like the under in this one. Villanova's offense and and Providence's defense, I do like the under in this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, an incredibly close game, the way these two teams play. And, and I'm also looking at, you mentioned how Villanova's had slow starts. We just saw the Friars go to UConn and kind of dictate the opening minutes of that game and set the tone and he didn't come away with a win, but you know, there's a reason UConn's the number one team in the country right now. And as a, as a Providence fan, I don't think you feel too bad about going up there and having the game go the way it did. So I think if the Friars can get out to an early lead and we see that trend continue for both of these teams, then I won't be surprised to see the Friars kind of control the game throughout and it'll get close. But, you know, that defense is just so tough to score on if you're trying to play from behind. But, you know, if the Friars shooters don't get going then this should be a Villanova win. Um, I'm going to take the Friars here just because I think they've, in some ways they played one of their best games of the season from a, from a toughness perspective. I think they, they sort of defined who they are without Bryce Hopkins on Wednesday at UConn. And if they bring that, that game, I think they're a really, really good team still. Um, so I'll take them in this, but I think it'll be close. Uh, I also want to mention here, so you mentioned home court advantage. The Friars have won their last two games at Wells Fargo. They won their last season, and they won there back in 2020. That was the game where Lawan Pipkins hit a couple shots late, uh, and this was that was one of those consecutive ranked wins the Friars had at the end of that season that I mentioned at the top of this. So that's a building where the Friars have found success recently. We'll see if it continues with Kim English now. That's a great stat pool because there was a game in between where they came to the Finn, the asterisk game. There was the fans handing out the asterisks after Providence's uh, shortened season victory. Yes, that was the game. We had Al Durham sitting out of that one. And yeah. there was there was a game, I think, during the COVID year as well at the Finn. Uh, and the Friars lost both of those, I think. But yeah, but that's one... a great stat pool. I like that one. Yeah, and it's, the Friars have actually had some luck at Wells Fargo in general too because they had – played a game there back in Chris Dunn's last season in 2016. Yeah, it was 2016. Um, that was the one I think was supposed to be on a Saturday and it got snowed out. So they like got moved and there was no fans or something like that. And um, Friars ended up winning there. So it's a building where I think the Friars have had a little more luck than they have with the Finn. And uh, that was under Ed Cooley. So we, again, we'll see if that, if that's still a thing here with Kim English. Maybe we should move this game to the Finn, but yeah, I agree. Should be a good one. Should be close. Um, I'll take the cats because I always take the cats because I have to. But um, I gotta rep my friars here. Of course you do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And can I? And I want to uh, kind of mention two things before we wrap up here. Absolutely. Yeah. First, because we talk about the tournament stuff. Um, as we're recording this, the athletic just put out their first. I think their first bracket watch of the year, which has eight teams from the Big East in and Villanova in uh, as an eleven play and Providence in as a nine seed. And there's not a whole lot of difference between those two, quite honestly. Uh, so they're saying it's close. They're saying this is a tournament type matchup between these two teams, um, which, you know, I, I agree with. I think the, I think both of these teams are good. You mentioned the road ahead for Villanova and what it looks like. We'll talk about for the Friars for a second. It's at Villanova this week, hosting Creighton at Butler and then hosting St. John's. It's this whole middle tier of the Big East, you know, everybody after Creighton and before Georgetown and DePaul feels like we're all in one boat. We don't know how many of these teams are getting in. 
when most of these teams play each other, it feels like a coin flip. So I think for most teams, it's going to be, you know, defend your home court and pick off one or two on the road. And, you know, for Villanova, it's you're on your home court, kind of a game, you feel backed into a corner. You don't want this losing streak to get to six. You have to win this one to start working your way out because you don't want to have to go on the road and win. And for the Friars, it's, you know, the opportunity to, to do the opposite, to notch one of those road wins so that later in the season, you already have a little insurance built in on your resume. We'll see how it ends up, you know, working out here down the stretch. But the next next week or two for both of these teams, if they can get, you know, win three or four of these games instead of splitting could be huge and vice versa. If you if you lose all of them or only win one. Yeah. Around Valentine's Day is when it starts to get really real uh, for those bubble teams and, and you really hang on the wins and losses. But those were great points, Matt. And I, I can't thank you enough for for dipping your toes back into the Big East waters coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Had to had to do it. Should be a good one on Sunday. Absolutely, it should. For Matt St. Jean, I'm Tommy Godin. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, go Cats.